Hey guys, this is Corey Russell, and I just preached this last Sunday at Upper Room Dallas on the branch of the Lord. We've been in this Maranatha series that looking at the covenant of Abraham and David. Well, today we looked at that son of David, Jesus, who's going to rule and reign over the whole earth, and he's called the branch of the Lord. You're going to love this. Get your seatbelt on. Bless you. Open in your Bibles somewhere. Just pick a spot. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we ask you to release your power in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just put up here, I just want to say it just so you can see it. Put Matthew 1-1 up here, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Then we're going to go to Genesis 12, and I'm going to just sow right into this. All right, here it is. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, the son of David, son of Abraham. All right, now go to Genesis 12. I just needed you to see that. Isn't that amazing? The first words in the New Testament is Matthew is going to carry on the story of what's been established by the tracing the storyline of the seed. And if you guys are just joining in with us, we're in the middle of a Maranatha series, the awakening of come Lord Jesus. He came, he is coming, so come. You know, the end of the Bible ends up with that Maranatha cry, come Lord Jesus. And, I've, and we've been in the midst of a series that's just been amazing um, Michael Miller, our, our founding pastor, has been preaching a phenomenal series. We had Kyle Martin last week. And I'm just going to jump in in that flow. And I'm going to call us to behold the Davidic king, King Jesus, this morning. Who's been loving singing about King Jesus this morning? Yeah, these three right here. I, me too. I like it too. Um, and, and, and I really believe that this series is an important one for our spiritual family and for those that are tracking with us. I really believe that God is, uh, I, I keep seeing it like God is dropping the backbone into the upper room family. And you can't stand up unless there's a backbone. And I feel like the, you know, the, the, the eternal covenant made from before the foundation of the world, the covenant in the beginning with creation, Abrahamic covet, Mosaic, Davidic, new, all the way down is dropping a backbone in our family. And I believe it's, it's causing us to stand up and to rightly understand both history and where we're going. And I feel like that's happening. I feel like God is reorienting our spiritual community. He's reorienting us to what's coming. And he's awakening the Maranatha cry, come Lord Jesus. I've always said it, I, I love it. You know, some people might see the Christian life. You know, you know, I've been married 25 years and some of you might be, anybody get engaged in here? Anybody engaged? Come on, somebody, where you at? All right, for all who aren't, all right, there you go, Jason Register, break it. I didn't see any guy's hands, so I was just gonna knock it off of y'all and say, it's a season, awaken, awaken. Um, <laughs> but we got Jason in the back. And I was just thinking about, you know, and, and both are glorious, but, you know, the way that an engaged bride is thinking about her wedding day and the way that even a woman that's been married for 25 years looks back on her wedding day. And when you look back on your wedding day, and I, it's still living fresh in me, August 1st, 1998, all the emotions, all the feels, all the cries, every emotion will forever live. In my memory, I know in my wife's memory, we talk about it, we celebrate it, we think about it. There's one thing to look back on a wedding, but there's a whole nother thing for Jason's fiance whose anticipation of a wedding day. And I just wanna say for everyone, if you put your faith in Jesus, we aren't the 25-year-old marriage looking back on a wedding day. We are the engaged bride who is looking for a wedding day where our bridegroom king descends out of the heavens, comes to the earth, and we are forever married to him. And the death of Jesus secured all the promises, but he's coming again to ultimately fulfill them. I'm trying. I'm trying. Thank you. Thank you. I was getting... All right, here we go. So I feel like... It's reorienting our community. And then number three, God is rooting our community in the Bible. And I'm just loving all the Bible 
all the conversations, everything I see in the coffee shop and online and everything else. He's orienting us. He's growing us up. He's maturing us. Go to Genesis 12. I just want to, I love this. We know, I just want to say it because we say it all the time. Genesis 3.15, in the very beginning, the Lord walks into the garden and looks at the devil and says, okay, devil, you won round one, but I want you to look at this little girl, Eve, because there's going to come a seed through Eve that's going to crush your head. It's going to crush your seed, yet you will, your seed will bruise his heel. He will crush your head. He will destroy your kingdom. He will destroy your influence and your power, and he will absolutely obliterate it and drive it off the planet. We need to meditate on Jesus the skull crusher. Jesus the skull crusher. We talk about Jesus as bridegroom, Jesus as redeemer. Come on, Aaron. We need to sing about Jesus the skull crusher. Amen? Balaam, you know, uh, uh, Balaam gave that prophecy that he will crush the heads. There are many times you see that reality pass through the whole Old Testament. That's a whole other message, but we're not going there now. So we know there's a seed coming through Eve that's going to crush the head of the serpent. We know it happened at the cross, and it's going to happen in the coming days when he absolutely obliterates the demonic hordes and drives Satan into the bottomless pit. And we're going to see the, the ridding of darkness off the planet. Well, the story picks up. We know by Genesis 11, you know, humanity is absolutely demonized, jacked up, building a city in Genesis 11 called Babel, thinking that they can build this tower to overcome God. And God says, uh-uh. And I want you to know they're doing more than just building a tall city. Okay, it's not, like, it's not like God's looking down there saying, look at these whippersnappers. They just got 10 more feet. What they're doing is opening up a demonic portal. And it was humanity's great assault against God to take on God. And the Lord dispersed them in Genesis 11, and that's where the nations were born, was through the scattering of the languages. And so now the question stands, how is God going to redeem the nations? How is God going to bring redemption to this whole thing? And the very next verse, Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, okay, the, we're going to find later that he's in the Ur of the Chaldeans, modern day Iraq. And the Lord will show up to this Gentile, because there were no Hebrews, he shows up to him and this is what he says, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house. All right, and then the Lord's going to make three promises to Abram that really become the three lanes of the new covenant and the three things that God himself will fulfill. First one, he says, I'm going to send you to a land. Everybody say a land. Okay, this is a big one. He says, to a land that I will show you. Number two, he says, I will make you a great nation. Everybody say great nation. Say it like you feel it. Say great nation which means I'm going to bring forth a whole bunch of descendants. I'm going to bring forth a nation from you. But many times we overlook the word great. Not just a bunch, but that word great actually implies I'm going to bring forth a fully righteous nation from you. And you know, Proverbs 14, 34 says that it's righteousness that exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. And God's promise in there is that all of Israel will be saved. I'm going to bring forth a fully righteous nation through you. And then number three, he says, I'm going to make you a point of controversy. I'm going to make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Keep going with me. I will bless those who bless you. Curse him who curses you. And here's the third promise he made to him. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So a land, a great nation, and that in you, the whole earth is going to be blessed by what I do in you and through you. That is the promise made to Abraham, and, and we will see it secured later on in Genesis 15 when the Lord makes an unconditional covenant with him. I'm just doing review for us. Y'all remember? The Lord entered into a covenantal ceremony with Abram, and he says, cut the animals down the middle, 
And in most covenants, two people would meet in the middle, they would bind themselves together, and in the essence they're saying, if I don't fulfill the terms of this covenant, may I be cut in two like these animals. But in the Genesis 15 ceremony, Abram fell asleep. The Lord put him down, and we see the burning oven and the smoking torch start passing between. As God made covenant with God, that the things he promised Abram in Genesis 12, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. That's awesome. I'm glad he was asleep. This is what the Lord said. And guys, I want you to, I want you to look at, I just want to reference this because the third point of the new covenant or the Abrahamic covenant, this is what Paul is going to highlight by the gospel going to all the earth. Look at Galatians 3.8. Galatians 3.8, I love this verse. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. Do you see that verse? Do y'all know Abraham had the gospel preached to him? Do you know Abraham had the gospel preached to him? And the one who presented it is called Scripture. That's who preached it was Scripture. And, we, and what Paul is going to highlight is the third part of Genesis 12. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. He's going to pull out the Genesis 12, 3, and he's going to highlight the fact that the gospel has touched every tribe, that it's going forth to Gentiles. This is a sign of the Abrahamic covenant that Jesus is authoring it, mediating it, and releasing it in the earth. And we are in one storyline of what God promised Abraham. So we're in that story, but note, Paul never reinterprets or writes a longer letter to the Galatians. What he's implying is the first two are still in op operation and we're still anticipating the first two promises to happen. That Abraham and his descendants will dwell in a permanent inheritance on the earth fully righteous. That's the implications of the new covenant. That's the implications of the Abrahamic covenant. And friends, we need to feel the weight of that. We love the third part. We're rejoicing in the third part. But there's two other at stake that Jesus himself will resolve at his second coming. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. The promise was made to Abraham and to his seed. Look at Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So the promise was made to Abraham and to his seed, who is Christ. The promise was ultimately made to Jesus, that God's going to do this. Are you with me? So you can meditate on these verses, and, I, and I've just been saying it around in different groups and settings. I love our prayer room. You know, one of the main reasons why I love our prayer room, so we can pace and sit at tables and chairs with Bible verses talking to the Holy Spirit about Bible verses. Talking to Jesus about Bible verses is the greatest way to be able to see and to apply these promises made. So it was made to Abraham, but ultimately to his offspring, Jesus, who will secure this, and who will administrate and bring about the fullness of those promises. The second covenant we've been looking at, we've spent a lot of weeks on, is the Davidic covenant. 2 Samuel 7, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. He says, this is the great verse we've been looking at. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed, there's that word seed, after you, who will come from your body, I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? 
God's promise to David was ultimately to Jesus, who will come from David's earthly lineage and who will inherit the promise. He will be a king whose throne will go on forever and who will fulfill the promises made to Abraham and David. He came the first time to secure the promises through his life and his death and his resurrection. And friends, he's coming a second time to fulfill them. It's my desire in this message to look at the prophecies concerning this Davidic king. I believe it's important before we get to the new covenant, all right, here in the coming weeks, Miller and others are going to be expounding on the Jeremiah 31 because the prophets took a hold of this word. They got a hold of this word about a coming seed, a coming one through David's line who is going to rule on the earth forever. And the prophets will lay forth, and we'll see in Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, and other ones, there's coming a new covenant. There's coming a new covenant, and I'm going to do in you what you can't do for yourself, Israel. The whole purpose of the Mosaic covenant was to expose Israel's inability to fulfill God's righteous standards. It, 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 the very purpose of the law was to expose Israel. You'll never be able to do this. I want to exasperate a groan on the inside of you and cause you to long for one who can work righteousness within you. But understand, it's so that Israel can dwell in all the promises of God, dwelling on the earth in a land fully righteous from where Jesus will make his global oval office and from where he will rule the nations all over the earth. It's called the Millennium Kingdom, the Millennial Kingdom. Now, this is important. You know, the salvation of Israel is what Paul says in Romans 11. It will be life from the dead for the whole world. All right, I'll leave it there. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about the one who is coming. I want to look at the Davidic king and the prophecies made concerning this king that is coming. Can we talk about Jesus? Can we talk about Jesus in the Old Testament? You sure? Kyle said it last week, Luke 24, 44. He took them, he showed up in a resurrected body, and he opened up the Psalms, he opened up the prophets, and he opened up Moses and gave them understanding. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to take you through the Old Testament, give you understanding, and do what he did on the road to Emmaus, set your heart on fire. He wants to awaken passion within you, a hunger that you've never had. Let's talk about Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus? Can we talk about Jesus? I love it. Jesus is, you know what, can you put Revelation twenty two sixteen 16 up here? I'll tell you what awakens the Maranatha cry. It's Revelation 22, 16. I, Jesus, everybody say Jesus. He goes, I've sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And then look at verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. The revelation of the David, of the, of the, of the God-man, the one who is the root and the offspring of David, is what awakens the Maranatha cry. To see this king in Scripture and what he will do when he returns is the very thing that awakens the Maranatha cry. I'm going to say a phrase to you. I want you to meditate on it. To see him in the Bible is to want him. And when you see him in the Bible, the little groan will begin to grow. The little groan will begin to grow. Every time, we're, every one of these passages we're gonna look at, what's gonna happen? A little bit of unbelief's gonna get knocked off. A little bit of fog's gonna get removed. A little bit of confusion's gonna get removed. And you know what's gonna happen? Come. 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 I don't need to keep spending my time just watching and gorging myself on Netflix. Come. I don't have time to keep living in, in the meaningless things I've lived in. Come. I want to rid myself of the, the scaffolding I've built around my heart. Come. 
I want to remove myself. I want to cleanse myself. I want to purify myself in light of the hope. That's what it does, and the Word breaks unbelief off of us. The Word knocks funk off of us. The Word causes you to invest your time and your money and your relationships differently as the come begins to become an all-consuming groan that possesses your life. Nothing else matters. Come, Lord Jesus. I want you more than my retirement plan. I want you more than my dreams of what life's going to look like when I'm 80. To see him is to want him. We're not going to want him until you see him, and you see him through the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Everybody say the branch of the Lord. We're going to look at some prophecies today about one of the most referred to titles of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And this is going to awaken something glorious in you. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. One of the reoccurring titles for the Messiah in the Old Testament is the branch of the Lord. This phrase is used six times throughout the prophets, and we see four distinct descriptions of the branch. I'm going to give them to you. We see him as a king. You see him as a servant. You see him as a man, and you see him as God. I don't believe that it's a coincidence that the book of Matthew highlights Jesus as king. Mark as servant. Luke as man, and John as God. In the four Gospels are the four descriptions of the branch. I've even, I've even heard, I've been, uh, we're teaching our USM students, and my, my teaching assistant, Tommy, is always bringing up that Jesus is Jesus of Nazareth, and one of the root words of Nazareth is branch. I, I think there is so much insight into this, Everybody say, in that day. When, that, that phrase is spoken about 40-something times in the book of Isaiah. Whenever, and I would just want to help you with a little bit here. Whenever you see the phrase, in that day, that lets you know the day of the Lord. That lets you know to that culminating day when he returns and brings his glory in the earth. And Isaiah releases one of the greatest prophecies about Jesus. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and he will be glorious and I want you to see with each one of these branch passages the branch is always connected to the land and the branch is all about the healing of the land and the release of righteousness in the earth and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing one of the first things Jesus is going to do when he returns, he's going to restore Garden of Eden-like conditions back on the earth. Everybody say beautiful. Can I tell you what the end times is about? It's not mostly about big bad devil chasing Christians and killing and persecuting. Those realities happen. It's not mostly about the Antichrist and his ten-nation confederation and the abomination of desolation. Those things are important, but they're not, they're secondary. It's not mostly about seals, trumpets, and bowls. It is mostly about the revelation of the beauty of Jesus. It is the beauty of his leadership, the beauty of his worth, the beauty of his power, of his mercy of his righteousness, of his justice, of his wisdom. And when he is established as king on the earth as the son of David, beauty is going to fill the earth. Beauty is going to exhilarate the heart. And the fruit of the earth is going to resurrect. He's going to release, there's a supernatural river that comes from his throne that's going to bring healing. Nations will go to Jerusalem where we will get leaves from the tree of life and it will bring healing to our nations. But God wants to, anyway, we'll get to there later. 
Go with me to Isaiah 11, verse 1. We're about to have fun. Get your seatbelt on. Are you with me? Don't just hear a verse. Pull on a verse. You're like, man, I can't get my head around this. What do you think Isaiah was feeling? <laughs> Guys, no, look at me. This is what prophets do. This is what prophetic communities do. We, we see the verses, but they don't see it. This is how Isaiah felt before his first coming. I'm getting bits. I'm getting bits. I'm getting little bits. I see he's a, he's a manuel. He's a child. Government's on him. He's the branch. But what? I don't get it. Guess, guess what? We got the whole Bible. We got the Holy Spirit. And we're preparing for the greatest exchange and hostile takeover in all of history as Jesus removes all the kings of the earth in one day and establishes his kingdom on the earth. Our job is like, I don't get it, so let's just check out then. No, it's the spirit, the Maranatha spirit says, no. I want to learn everything about him. And I want to groan. And I wrestle in the confusion. I'm not going to disengage. I want to wrestle so that two become one in my soul. I'll get understanding and more fascination. Because the goal, ultimately, understanding, ultimately, yes, but he's really after fascination. He's really after fascination. You know why fascination? Because it will mess with your Netflix account. He wants Bible be in your conversations. Oh, to get fascinated. Oh, that we would never graduate from a newly saved believer who's asking all the questions. All right, we're about to have fun. Get your seatbelt on. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who is Jesse? David's dad. All right, so we're going to see a rod come out of the stem, out of the, and it's speaking about the earthly, natural reality of Jesus. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his root. Keep going. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. It's the sevenfold Spirit of God. When it talks about in Revelation the seven spirits of God, Baal, Baal, the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. And that anointing is going to rest on Jesus. It's going to rest in fullness on Jesus as he rules as the Davidic king over the whole earth. Talk to us more, Isaiah. What else do you see? His delight is in the fear of the Lord. Well, talk to me. Is he just going to judge by what he sees? No, Corey. He's, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. Well, what about at the hearing of his ears? Not even the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. A kingdom that takes care of the poor. A kingdom that lifts up the poor, that fights for the marginalized, that fights for the broken, that fights for the, the low man, the out of the way, the outcast. He will decide with equity, look at this, for the meek of the earth. Blessed are the meek of the earth. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the ones who don't use their power and lord it over others, but serve others. And Jesus will read right through all of the stuff and bring forth clarity. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. Keep going. Faithfulness, the belt of his waist. Well, what's the effects, Corey? When Jesus is king on the earth, what will it be like on the earth? Well, I'm glad you asked, Corey. The wolf's going to dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fat, fatling and a little child shall leave. You're telling me two and three-year-olds will hang out with lions, leopards, and that wolves and lambs are going to hang out together. It's the great reversal. It's peace on the earth. Peace on the earth. Now, this is crazy. Right now, y'all, look at verse 8. Let's keep going. 
Come on, come on. The nursing child, all right? Get a little Timmy there, six months old. Shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. You look over there, little Timmy. What you doing over there? Get your hand out of there. Quit messing with that cobra. Do you understand the implications of what Jesus releases on the earth to completely reverse the curse? That is, Garden of Eden has been restored. There's no more curse. No more curse. Well, he's the branch, right? Well, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Look at this. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We love that verse. It's coming. It's now in measure, and it's coming. It's already, but it's not yet. And we live in the tension. We, we lay hands on the sick. We manifest. We fight for all of these realities today while anchoring our hope in what's coming tomorrow and what we're longing for. That's what we're called to live in is the tension. Some camps want to just say, no, nah, it's all now. Others want to go, no, it's all future. No, it's both. Look at this. Well, I thought he was from the branch of Jesse. No, actually, he's the root of Jesse. Well, which is he? Yes. He's the root and the offspring. Who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him. Talk to me about his resting place. It will be glorious. Psalm 132, this is where I will dwell. I have desired it. Come on. Look at Jeremiah 20, 23. Come on, come on, come on. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Jeremiah, what do you got to say about the branch? The days are coming, says the Lord. I'm going to raise to David a branch of righteousness. What is he? He's a king. Shall reign and prosper. Execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Next verse. In his days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell safely. This has happened bits in history. But friends, there is coming a fullness of time where Israel will no longer be removed, where Judah will dwell safely, and where the glory of God will shine forth from Jerusalem all over the earth. What's his name, Corey? Jehovah's Sick Canoe. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. What we're touching now, because most of us think of salvation as mostly individualistic. That's glorious. Friends, we're talking about global salvation. We're talking about global, the whole globe, getting saved with the banner over it, the Lord our righteousness. I love my individual salvation, but I'm connected to a glorious storyline. Hallelujah. Put Jeremiah 33 up here. I'm going to pick the pace up. We're about to have fun. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Yeah, go to Jeremiah 33. There we go. When the Bible quotes the same thing twice, pay attention. Jeremiah 33, the days are coming, says the Lord. I'm going to perform that good thing which I promised. Next. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Next verse. In those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will dwell safely. This is the name by which she will be called. The Lord our righteousness. Next verse. It says this, David shall never lack a man to set on the throne of the house of Israel. Keep going. Next verse. Now he's about to get crazy. Jeremiah's about to jump out of the stratosphere. Go to verse 19. Jeremiah's about to go, guys. Next. Yeah, here we go. Next. 20. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day nor night in their season, then my covenant, next verse, will be broken with my servant David. Did you just see that? You're like, no, say it again to me, Corey. You, it is more likely for the sun and the moon to fall out of the sky than for God to back away from what he said to David and for what he said to Abraham. It's more likely for everything to fall out of there than for God to step away from his promise. This is about God's word, God's nature. Because if he's going to do it at that level, friend, you can have confidence today. The promises he said over you, the things he's walking with you. This God, he goes, guys, he goes, I got a lot bigger stuff on my plate right now. 
I'm about to break in. I'll take care of your finances. I'll break in these situations. Trust me. I'm about to save the whole globe. Oh, that's just phenomenal. He keep going. He keeps saying it over and over again. But I got to keep moving. Look at Zechariah 3. Zechariah 3. More branch of the Lord passages. Here we go. Hear, O Joshua. It's the literal name of Jesus, Yeshua. Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I'm bringing forth my servant. What's his name? The branch. Behold the stone. So apparently Joshua the high priest is sitting up here. He's sitting there. He's got some guys before him. And apparently Zechariah took a stone. Put a stone there in front of him and then drew seven eyes on the stone. <laughs> Zechariah's going, what am I doing? Just do it. Okay, you got the stone there. You got Joshua sitting. Now release this prophecy. I will, he goes, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, you're going to have a lot of potlucks and everybody's going to be hanging out. Inviting each other under your fig tree, under your vine. And what it's talking about is, is harmony between people. Peace touching the earth. Now, now I want to look at my favorite uh, branch passage. Look at Zechariah 6. Zechariah 6. This is probably my favorite. It's a good one. There we go. So Zechariah is later on, and three guys come from Babylon. We got their names right here. We got Hildai, Tobiah, and Jediah. They come from Babylon because they're still, a lot of them are still in Babylon living. And so they're coming to Jerusalem to see, how's it going? And so they bring a gift with them. They bring some silver and some gold. And they bring a gift to the remnant. They're in Jerusalem, and the Lord tells Zechariah, he goes, go get that, go get that silver and go get that gold. He goes, okay. Look at verse 11. He goes, take the silver and the gold, okay? And I want you to make an elaborate crown. And I want you to set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Time out. You don't put crowns on priests. You put crowns on the, those from the tribe of Judah from the lineage of David. The kingly and the priestly were separated. And they did not mix. And Zechariah is going, I know, but this is what he told me to do. Take that and go put it on the head of the high priest. Because I'm about to blow all of y'all's minds. David told us this. He will come in the order of Melchizedek, the king priest. But here we are. Look at this. Oh, he'll go. Here we are. Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man. I love the beholds of Scripture. It's stop. There's about to be a hammer time. Whenever you see a behold, it's stopped because there's about to be a hammer time. The man whose name is the branch. This is why he's called the branch. From his place, he's going to branch out. From that throne, he is going to begin to release the increase of his government. There will be no end. Upon the throne of David, he will reign. From his seat in Jerusalem, the law of God will overcome all economic systems, governmental systems, agricultural systems. It will reorder the whole earth. It will branch out. From his place. No, 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 go back. I'm just feeling these words. He shall build the temple of the Lord. Did he just say what I thought he said? Go to the next verse. Yes. <laughs> he shall build the temple of the Lord. In case you were wondering, 
When it says it twice, if you're not shocked by the first time, go back and read the first time. Do you know Jesus is a carpenter? You know he's a construction man. That's what he spent 30 years in hiddenness doing. He's got construction in his, in his DNA, and he is going to oversee, I'm not playing, a building of the millennial temple from where he will sit and rule and reign, and Jesus will oversee it as the contract. <laughs> I'm not talking about the great tribulation temple. There's going to be one then that gets destroyed. I'm talking about the one that Jesus is going to set in for a thousand years and where he will rule the earth. I love this. He shall bear the glory. You know why? Because he's humble. Humility bears glory. Humility stewards the greatest weight of responsibility. He's going to sit and rule on his throne, which means he's a king. Okay, we got that. He's from the truck. He's from the line of David. But Zechariah released something special on the earth, and he shall be a priest on his throne. In those phrases is found the, the spirit of the tabernacle of David. That God's kingdom is going to be released, not just as a king releasing his decrees as a king, but his power and his kingdom is released through intimate affection, intimate worship, and intimate agreement. That's why we're in a prayer room. That's how kingdom's released. The council of peace shall be between them both. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the increase of his government will know no end. Upon the throne of David from this time forth and forevermore. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God. He's coming. He came and he's coming. Can you put Zechariah 9 9 up here just because I like to have fun? And I want you to see this is the way these prophets worked. They would release a first coming in verse 9 and then second coming in verse 10 without giving any insight or giving any clarity to anybody. Because he says, I figure the hungry will come search it out. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Just having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey. The colt, the foal of a donkey. Most of us stop there. Yeah, go back to verse 9 just so we can fill it and it'll help my preaching here for a second. We love that, huh? Who knows that's been fulfilled. Matthew 21, they wave the palm branches, Hosanna to the son of David, and they quote Zechariah 9. He's coming in on a donkey, and most of us stop there. Hallelujah, it's all over. Zechariah didn't stop. Look at verse 10. He goes, not only is he coming in, but there's coming a day where he will end all war. He says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth. Most of us stop at verse 9. All right, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we love Jesus at the right hand of the Father up there. But friends, he's coming down. And he's going to speak peace to the nations of the earth. His dominion will be from sea to sea. I believe that God wants to catch our gaze of the king. I believe revelation of King Jesus. It will awaken the Maranatha cry. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and I heard the seraphim singing to one another, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts, the whole earth. See, this is different than Revelation 4 throne. In Revelation 4, he went up through the throne. In Isaiah 6, the whole earth will be full of his glory. The whole earth 
It's on the earth. Isaiah's seeing the king on the earth. Woe is me, I'm undone. I don't know how to talk. They cleanse his lips. It's the revelation of the king. The Maranoth, the cry, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everyone will come underneath it. But friends, we get to do it now. We get to come underneath his leadership now. We get to see the kingdom of God touch sicknesses and touch demons and devils. See, as I'm over here meditating on these verses, it's not, see, this is what the, the misconception is. You get into end times too much, you won't become too practical today. Then you'll just kind of get into that weird, it's all going bad, come Jesus. You know what the meditating on all these verses just did to me? I want every devil in this room to go. I want every power of sickness, every demon, because what he's going to do that day, he wants to do today, because the kingdom is now, and it's coming. we got to reconcile these two things on the inside of us. We think, well, right, I don't want to get over there. No, no, friend, it's time to knock this thing off. The weird people have stolen this. The weird smart people have stolen this. This is germane to the gospel. This is gospel. And we're getting it back into the fabric of the church. Jesus. Amen? Anybody sick in here? Or anybody oppressed? <laughs> Stand up. And you can kind of, you're like, I'm oppressed, but I want to hide under being sick. All right, whatever. <laughs> Stand up. You're under assault right now, either physically, mentally, emotionally. See, we're not just talking about make-believe Jesus someday. We're not just talking about it. We're talking about King Jesus. King Jesus. King Jesus, the rule, the raw. He wants to heal bodies. He wants to break off tormenting spirits. He wants to break off accusation. Come on, keep standing. You've been under something. My whole drive down this morning was under assault. And I'm putting it all together. You, you, you never realize it while you're in it. But usually as I'm getting away from it, I'm going, okay, all right. If you're next to this person standing, I want you to put your hand on them. We're going to pray for them right now. Healing physically. Deliverance emotionally. Mentally. In the soul realm right now, I declare through his death, through his resurrection, through his atonement, through his sacrifice, by his stripes, you are healed. And I speak over every broken body, every oppressed soul, every oppressed mind, emotions. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing. In the name of Jesus, I speak deliverance. In the name of Jesus, I command every tormenting spirit to go. In the name of Jesus, I command every accusing spirit to go. In the name of Jesus, I command every lying spirit to go. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to knees, healing to backs, healing to shoulders, healing to minds, healing, clarity. Right now in the name of Jesus, where there's been fragments, I speak wholeness. When you're gonna speak peace to nations, I speak peace to minds right now. Release it right now. Come on, 30 seconds. Pray in the spirit over them right now. King Jesus, release your power. Touch bodies right now. The branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. Release the beauty of Jesus the healer. Jesus the deliverer. We rebuke. Every work of darkness. I'm going to ask the rest of you to stand with us now. Come on, 15 more seconds. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Thank you, Lord, that you heard every prayer and every word. Now let's all just lift our hands and I just want to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Upon the throne of David, 
He will reign. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful community and those who are watching. And I pray right now, Father, that you would make known the branch of the Lord, that you would cause Isaiah 4 and 11, Jeremiah and Zechariah and Isaiah, that you would cause these verses to explode in our spirits and our minds, that it wouldn't be a, a, a message we heard, but it would become a meal we eat. I pray that it won't be a message we've heard, but it will become a meal we eat. God, I pray that this prayer room would be filled with Bibles open as we talk to you about Bible verses. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we just say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. In the war, in the war right now, what you're going to do, you're going to end all wars. You're going to speak peace. And your dominion will go from sea to sea. Right now in intercession, we command the war to stop between Russia and Ukraine right now, Jesus. We release, release peace right now, God, in Ukraine. We pray you yourself would be a wall of fire and that you would be the glory in their midst. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, my God. We pray right now, Father, that you would drive back the works of the evil one, that you would push back the works of the devil. We speak peace as intercessors in the cave, Lord. Release your power right now, God. Stop this. Release peace in the name of Jesus. Release your peace in the name of Jesus. Come on, 15 seconds. Release words that have power. Break in. Turn them around. Release confusion in the work of the evil one right now when we speak peace and protection. We pray that this would stop right now, Father. Intervene, we pray. We dispatch angels. We dispatch angels to Kiev right now, Lord, in Ukraine, to refugees. Release your peace, Jesus. Ah, thank you, God. Thank you that you hear our prayers. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.